you and, and a bunch of other friends actually gave me my first Korean barbecue experience, as I re- as I recall. You 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 popped my cherry. <laughs> Not the first. <laughs> Microphone check. Does my mic sound nice? Uh. Yes, it does. Welcome to this week's episode of It's About Damn Time, where we change the narrative by changing the perspective. I'm Jared Dam, and it's about damn time to have another conversation that changes the way you think and perceive things. The only question is, are you ready? Welcome to this week's episode of It's About Damn Time. I'm Jared Dam in the building once again. And I'm waiting. We had some technical difficulties, so I wanted to make sure we were on. Um, y'all, it's been a day. It's been a, it's been a day. Um, it's been a month. Um, and, I, and I feel like I've been hitting everybody over the head with information, trying to make everybody better. Because I, I want to build a better me, and I want to inspire others to do the same. But sometimes it's just about damn time we just talk. And um, so I decided to enlist the services of the ultimate conversationalist and guru of so many different things, my friend, Auntie Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Hi. How you doing, girl? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I am so glad you're on. Um, I'm going to give people a backstory. Um, I twisted your arm. Um, in order to be on here, like, you know, it was, it was a battle, it was a negotiation. I had to sit there, (laughs) but no, I, you know, um, Ronnie has this, has this platform on, on, on Facebook live called let's talk. And she, um, weekly she has, she talks about a, a wide range of, of, of subjects and it's so engaging. Like I've, you know, no matter what time she goes on, um, I'll be ready. I'll be like, I, I think, I think a couple times when I, you know, when you, when you doing it, I was driving. So I had to do it. I just put the phone down and I was listening and, and then, you know, at a stoplight, I might, I may or may not have, you know, texted in and, t- and, and chimed in. Just be safe on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was safe, but it was, it was so engaging. So I was like, you know what? I want to bring Let's Talk with Auntie Ronnie to this about damn time because I, I think it's about time, damn time we made it happen. Indeed. So, um, before we get into like the the whole the conversations that we're we're going to have that's inspired actually by your listeners, uh, I just kind of wanted to ask just general questions first. Like for for example, how do you get qualified to be an auntie? Like I, like so because I know because there are there are different different things that people sit and have as far as the expectations of being quote unquote auntie. How do you how do you get qualified to be auntie? There's not a course. There's not a guideline. I think. Um, I think a part of it is generational. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finally at that age where we are the aunts and the uncles, yeah. um, but our lives are very different than our elders' lives were at our same ages. Right. And we're in this very interesting transitional place. That when they say the 30s are the new 20s, I think it's very accurate. But the wisdom has set in. And we have become a younger version of a classic role. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's no metrics. I couldn't necessarily tell you what it is. But indeed, I am the aunt. I'm, I'm the auntie that you follow outside at, at the cookout. I'm... I'm the one that your kids will probably talk to, even though you probably wish they would talk to another one. Um, But in that same sense, I'm never going to steer anybody wrong. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to impart rules or regulations. I'm just here to have the conversation, maybe alter, offer an alternative spec, you know, perspective and ultimately be there to support you, whatever you decide. I'm an aunt. I I think that's so important. I think uh, first of all, 
like ultimate conversationalist. See, I nailed it, you know, because you just you just killed that right there. So I love it. Um, but it's 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 so true. Like you want to, you need to have those type of relationships. Um, and for me, it, it rang true, especially with kids, because you know, Brooklyn. You know, now we have a, me and my daughter, Brooklyn. We have a great relationship, but I know sometimes she she just needs to talk to an auntie. Like she just like not like I can't talk to my mom and my dad. I need to talk to somebody who's gonna get it and gonna you know gonna give me the real. And um, those relationships are, are are so important. They're in the harm, but I have more liberal approach than you do. Oh, right. But right. either goes there's there's that safety net. Be it you, be it me, be it whomever, should be okay. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So. How did you, what, what made you, what inspired you to do, you know, let, let's talk and, and, and really start getting on, on, um, and, and creating this platform for yourself? It kind of, it, it happened. <laughs> um, I am a very good person at generating ideas. I'm not necessarily the best at the execution. Um, I can come up with 50 million ways to make a million dollars. It doesn't mean I have the conviction. So for me, to constantly be looking for the idea of something doesn't necessarily mean it's something that I want to do. Um, but I can sit and talk to you all day. It, it didn't come from an idea. One day I jumped on talking about the economy and the next thing you know, two days later I was talking about sex and the next thing I knew I had people looking for me. <laughs> and, and it was just an organic Let's talk. Let's have a chat. It just, it, it kind of did its own thing. And I'm not opposed to it because it is an organic thing. It's very easy to sit and, and talk about some of these things. And like I said, maybe offer that perspective that you didn't organically get to. And I'm not trying to change your mind, but I can't get to tolerance either if I don't consider it. Uh, makes sense. And, and I love, I love how organic it is. Like I said, it's very engaging. You, you, you just, you know, you have these these real conversations, and um, um, I think you just you just have just certain charisma that just comes out through those the, the, the devices that people are using, and um, they definitely want to engage with you. They want to get your perspective. They want to offer their perspective, and you do a great thing. You do a great job because you don't judge because you're that auntie that doesn't judge and and everything. You listen to any kind of crazy shit <laughs> that comes out of people's mouths and, and, and whatever they say, there's no judgment. It's like, okay, well let's talk about it. And, and it, and it goes from there. And yeah. I, and that's what brings people so into, into the conversation. Well, thank you. I just, I feel as if there are ways to have the conversations, but you have to, you have to find a way to not impart your opinion, which can be difficult and there are times when I may interject an opinion, but I always state it as such. There are entirely too many different perspectives to everything mm-hmm. for us to not find a way to sit back and have the conversations that are a little more difficult or that you don't know how to ask somebody else or that you've been curious about. It, it, there are ways to do it without being combative, and I think that's where it gets lost. Yeah. That's why I want the fireside chat, sit down, have a cocktail, and just kind of go over things type of vibe. De- being defensive, feeling as if you... Going into something, feeling as if you're going to have to argue your position automatically makes you defensive. And that's not what we want to do here. Right, right. I get it. I get it. All right, so let's get into some of these these the, this, this conversation. So... We had we had the brilliant idea to enlist your your um, your audience your community um, mm-hmm. for for these ideas. So, you know, now I I told Ronnie um, this earlier today that you know I'm a low key control freak. So the fact that I I didn't have access to the questions and I, I was super nervous. I don't, I don't think I could sleep last night. So <laughs> I I was I was like. I was up thinking about it at like 7.30 this morning. I'm like, I am not about to text her about some questions for a podcast at 7.30. I'm going to at least wait respectable to about 10, 30, 11 before I do it. So. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> so, so we, what we did was we, we, 
we went on um, IG. We went on. We went on Facebook. You know, we polled, asked, asked these these um, questions. So we want to then kind of keep a focus about uh, relationships. So without any further ado, let's go through some of these questions that uh, you know your your listeners you know came up with. Okay. Um, I, I'll start off with a with a with an easy one. You know, someone wanted to know. You know, spill the tea on your first kiss. Who first kiss? So long ago. I, you know, I mean, okay, because like here's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. To say I don't remember, it almost feels very callous. Yeah. But I don't know that I remember the definitive first kiss moment. Like, I don't. It, like clearly, I've had one. Yeah. Um. But maybe it wasn't romanticized enough to stand out in my brain. Right. Does that make sense? I feel like, I feel like we get raised with these very romantic ideas and connotations of what a first kiss is. In 36, 90s rom-com. <laughs> right, like exactly. Birds and, you know, like petals were supposed to fall from trees. and I mean, like that didn't happen. So... I, I mean, I'm sure at the time I was absolutely tickled, but at 36, it's not a remarkable standout moment. And I, and, and that's a me thing. I know there are people that would be able to tell you what day of the year it was and what year and what they had on. And it was, it happened. Well, I, um, I, I think I'm like you. And, you know, there were, there were no fireworks in the background. There were no electric sparks. I, I it happened though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm like you. I think um, I I I saw that question. And I was like, shit, what? Because what <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm 42, so I if if you struggled at 36, you know oh. I'm struggling. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I think it was like 94. You know, like like on Probably. on somebody's step. You know, <laughs> probably 99. Yeah. Yeah. Or the nine nine in two thousand, like <laughs> it was somewhere in there. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's hard. Um but uh I, I I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's that what we grew up with media wise is it, it's been romanticized so much, so you, you, you think it's supposed to be like, you know, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> You're expecting this big ethereal aha moment and almost like a letdown yeah like yeah. oh okay well all right that was cool <laughs> thanks like what are you supposed to be in love now like i don't know how this works right all right so let's let's let's, let's hit another one so okay um this one really this one was really a standout for me okay. um what do you think about linking up with with a long lost love? So you know, you have you have that you you know that that person that you had in your life for quite some time, you know, a long time ago, and you know when you think about them, you know, butterflies, all your stuff, and maybe maybe some other things tingle as well, you know, and you just kind of excited about it, and you, and you think, mm-hmm. should I should I just? What do you think about that? I'm all for it conditionally. Mm. So, okay. So like there's a level of discernment that we all have and it doesn't matter that it's not whether or not you have a level of discernment. It's whether or not you acknowledge it and you utilize it. And, and people's, you know, there may be different degrees to which people can discern certain things. I'll give you that, but we all have it. Um, I think there is an absolute difference in the wrong place, wrong time person. That person that you may never really get that alignment and opportunity, be it professional obstacles, personal obstacles, overlapping relationships. People are going to say that sounds criminal. I don't think it does. You know, one of those we're never single at the same time type deals. That's what I mean. Like, so 
I, I think it's very conditional because with a person like that, where there is a draw, I don't think it's necessarily bad that if the opportunity presents itself where things align to explore that or to, to run it back or to see how it plays out. I do think there is a difference in identifying that something may or may not have been detrimental and electing to re-expose yourself to that. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm not saying that it's easy. Right. And I'm not holding anybody at fault because I wouldn't say that I haven't. And I, and I would never go, I would never be so full of myself to say that I wouldn't. I would like to hope I would make better decisions. But life happens. Yeah. It happens. And, and I don't hold anybody in judgment over it. But there's a difference. Um, I want you to do what's going to make you happy as long as it doesn't harm you. Right. And sometimes people take a time apart and they grow and develop, they heal, they look within themselves, they experience some things that change perspectives or ideologies, and they come back at a later date and time, and that's wonderful. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you can identify that something was literally detrimental, not just a relationship not being successful. Mm-hmm. Something that was a detriment to your mental, physical, financial, spiritual, yes, I said financial, spiritual, mm. um, that you brought yourself to a point of overcoming. I'm talking about those things that instill trauma, that cause hurt, that cause self-doubt, that alter confidence. I'm talking about those mentally traumatic experiences now, those are the ones that I would, again, I'd err on the side of caution. Not just it didn't work and we got back together and it works now. Not just we could never align ourselves. Those are fine. But I would add, I would tell anybody to be wary if you've come to the acknowledgement that it wasn't good for you. Not that it just didn't work. That it wasn't good for you. Mm-hmm. That's where I would, I would err on the side of caution. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with running it back. I think, like I said, I mean, there was clearly something there. And just because it ended doesn't mean it stopped. Right. So it's okay sometimes if you have to revisit something. And I think sometimes there's a natural curiosity in wanting to revisit something. I mean, and it's not just on a shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's on a maybe that thing wasn't as much of a thing that we couldn't overcome. Right. But no, when, when you can borderline use or identify some form of abuse, mild or grandiose, Mm -hmm. that's when you should. Yeah. I I think you make a, I think you bring a good point up about that. Um, You know, most people, you know, they remember when you, when you break up with somebody, you, you know how, you know how bad it was. Right. But when you when you're you know you go you going back and you thinking about revisiting, you don't necessarily remember the bad times with the same intensities that you remember the good times with, right. and and when and when that when that happens, you kind of almost like romanticize that relationship that Correct. that you that you were in, and you're like, I don't even know why we broke up, and then you know two months in, you're like, oh now I know why the fuck we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> But why, why do you think that? Why do you think? Um, I, I love what you said about the, you know, the, the 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 abuse part, whether it's you know physical, mental, emotional, financial. I love that you put financial in there. Um, why do you think those type of toxic relationships are just so just appetizing? Like they just almost like delicious because you you always want you you almost want to go back into it. Is is it? A mentality is it is it is it is it like eating chocolate cake? I love chocolate cake, but I can't eat chocolate cake every day. I, I got diabetes. Fact, right, I'm, um, so I'm nobody's therapist, mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody to ever come out and say, "Oh my God, she's talking like she got the credentials to back it up." That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to formulate. I'm I'm, I'm I'm again. We're talking. Yeah. So we're going through this and see like how it lands. Um. My best guess would be it's a cycle 
of trauma responses. And it's like, I almost don't like to say it because I almost feel as if the word trauma, trauma response is like oversaturated right now. I feel as if, you know, if you turn on the hot water before the cold water, when you're washing your hands, it's a trauma. <laughs> response. I mean, some people really, you know what I mean? Like some yeah. people, most trivial things to me. And it can become an oversaturated term, just like the word narcissist has become an oversaturated word and descriptor. Um, Triggered. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, But I, I think it's that's kind of what it is. But there's so many different things that you're responding to. No matter whether we like it or not, there is a societal pressure of coupling. And even if... <laughs> Regardless of how or whom you love, there is still an expectation to be coupled. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we are given and it's it's drilled into us, like from the beginning. Like whether or not you're groomed for marriage, you are fed the ideology that you will grow up and do this and this. But coupling is part of your end goal that it's part of the narrative that you are fed since you are a child. And I'm not against coupling, but there is a societal preference and expectation, especially at a certain age to be coupled. So sometimes I think because you've heard people say, you know, you'll hear these things about, I just, well, I don't want to be single. Well, I'm too old to be single. Well, I'm de- and there's because there's so much priority placed on being coupled, so much preference that there becomes the strong disdain to be single. Single is often treated as failure. Right. So that puts another level of pressure on wanting to remain coupled. I think sometimes because of the pressure to be coupled, we can very much look at things because think about it. We, again, we also equate longevity to success in couple. Mm-hmm. So a successful three-year relationship that ends amicably will never be held in the regard as the people who have been beating their heads against the wall for 10 years because they've made it 10 years. Well, that doesn't make them happy and that doesn't make that a successful relationship. Um, so sometimes it, it, it turns into a whole cycle. Well, there's pressure to stay coupled. Well, I'm not happy, but at least I have somebody. And then you break up and then you romanticize this idea because if you get back together, now it's a great love story. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's all this, rom- again, go back goes back to being romanticized. Like, it, it's, it's this cycle. So then what does it do? So now we've developed these families that are seeing these relationships that aren't necessarily healthy, but they're still together. So now they're going to continue to perpetuate that cycle. At some point in time, it has to stop Mm -hmm. perpetuating the cycle of being together just to be together. Yes. And I, I I love that you said that this, this societal pressure of coupling, um, I, I've seen it. Like I I know, I know it's it's people who I, I, I dearly care about who are, who either are just now getting out of breaking that, you know, and getting out of that where they're they're okay being single or like I they're still going through it. Hell, I went through it. You know, I I was married. So, you know, and for for me it was like, well, uh, I ain't happy, but I'm here, you know, and so I might as well just just keep showing up. And right. but life is too short for all that. Like like if you're if you're if you're unhappy, let's talk about it. I see what I did there. Let's talk about it. You know, if, if you're unhappy, let's work on it. Let's let's do couples therapy. Let's let's do individual therapy. Let's you know whatever. Let let's let's talk about it. But if we feel like we've exhausted all options, if it's irreconcilable differences, I cannot say that term for nothing in the world, boy. I'm telling you. But regardless of all that, um, if 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 it's short and you're miserable. Let's stop it. Let's let's get the fuck out of here. Like let's. I love that comparison. That three year relationship that was successful and ended 
and it you know it's no malice it's no it's no evil it's no i, I can't stay i can't stand that bitch it's none of, it's none of that you know versus that 10 year relationship relationship where you know them people have been miserable for at least forever yeah it's crazy like no no and I think that a lot of people, without saying it the way I said it, have come to that realization. Mm-hmm. Then there's the talk about why aren't people saying there anymore? Well, be- because they're not happy. And they accept the fact that they don't have to remain unhappy. That's true. <laughs> it, it, it's not. Like I said, there's so much pressure on being coupled that we look at decoupling as such a negative, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It took a while for, for my to to break it down to my mom because you know once she, once I told her that you know we, we were separating, right. we were getting divorced, and she just like, but why? <laughs> right. Now, let me ask you this: about how old is your mother? My mom. Uh, by the time this comes out, she will be sixty-eight. Okay. Hey, hey mom, because I know you're listening. Hey, mom. Um, so I know, yeah, she'll be sixty-eight. <laughs> um. Okay. Well. Happy birthday to mom. <laughs> um, but I get that. Yeah. My mother will be 65 in March. And I am a shock to everything that she knows. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that she doesn't love me and she isn't accepting. In fact, I've hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm on having an accepting parent. Um, but yeah, it they, they didn't, the option was there, but it was not allowed. Yeah. And so to see people exercise the option is both threatening and enlightening at the same time. Right. So I get it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go on to like another question since we, you know, we threw, um, you know, you know, therapy in there. I think I did in one of my responses. Let's let's use this particular question from one of the members in your community. Would you recommend sex therapy simultaneously with couples therapy th- therapy in an effort to cultivate a healthy relationship? No. Really? No, I would not. Oh, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. So. First of all, I think sex therapy is an amazing idea. If, if two people are actually genuinely sexually compatible. And what I mean by sexually compatible is I feel as if with therapy is a wonderful tool. Sex is a wonderful thing and a very essential part of most, most romantic relationships. Um, so how do I talk this through for starters? I'm, I'm afraid that that would become a coercive tool in a way that therapy should not be used coercively. Um, sex is a very, it, 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 sex is still considered a very taboo subject, Um, And it shouldn't be because at the end of the day, we're all doing it in some way, shape, form, or fashion at some point in time, whatever our relationship with it is going to vary via the individual. And that's why I would like to keep the two together. I mean, separate. I apologize. So as somebody who describes themselves as non-monogamous in, by nature, I don't feel inclined to a sense of monogamy and I promise there's a workaround I'm not so far off the primrose path um what I notice as somebody who has dealt with a lot of people who also deal in other forms of ethical slash consensual Mm non-monogamy polyamory swinging whatever um you tend to notice a lot of people that are coupled man woman couples that turn to forms of non-monogamy as a crutch for a relationship that is already crumbling at its foundation. 
Right. I am afraid that if we were to say, and I'm not saying that certain people and certain individuals could not deal with the benefit of both a sexual type therapy and an actual couples type counseling. I don't want the two to become synonymous or like a hand in hand mm. because I don't want the sex portion to end up the crutch for what needs to be worked out in the actual relationship. I also don't want somebody or a couple of people or people who are dealing with one another. I also don't want to find yourself in a position where you're throwing a therapy at it when it's literally a compatibility issue. I have a different relationship with sex. We always say sex is important, but it isn't everything. Well, maybe not to you. To some people, it is very much everything. To some people, it is way more important than something else might be between you and your partner. And sometimes these people come together and find themselves compatible in everything in life except their relationship with sex. So at that point in time, no amount of sex therapy is going to alter the fact that you want to do it four times a week and I'm cool if we do it twice a month. Some of those things are just foundational differences in people. Some people can work through that and it's the actual relationship that needs work. But if that's a difference, no amount of sex therapy is going to get them through that. Right. No, that makes that makes sense. Like, it, you you actually have changed my 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 perspective because when I read that question, I was like, well, of course, like you know that you know that that works. But you're right. If you if you do use sex as that as that crutch. So you so now it's like oh I'm 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 here you know we're doing the sex therapy thing and we we've been it's rocky in our relationship but you know now sex is a little exciting because the therapist gave us some tips and we did it this way and we tried this position and then we went out here to the lake and then we was you know behind Kroger or you know whatever and so now now you you almost feel like oh well, this relationship is 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 great y'all still ain't fixed the couple shit. No, it still doesn't work. You still want to fight this person when there's dishes in the sink. You still cuss somebody out when they use the wrong sponge to scrub a pot. Like, you still got these things in your relationship. You've got, maybe you're feeling a little insecure, which is now called breeding a little jealousy. I mean, you've got these other issues that are going on, but the sex is better. Well, okay. Now that's gonna now all that's gonna do is cloud judgment. And I'm not saying that you can't have good sex and have issues. I'm saying you need to decide which one you want to work on, your sex life or your issues. They're not always the same. And if one suffers, it isn't necessarily at the fault of the other. Right. Right. I think which I think something you said was, was, was interesting when you when you kind of revealed that um you are um not just kind of tied to um, monogamous relationships and, Correct. and, um, you know, I, I've had, you know, guests on this podcast and, and flirt around with the possibility of, of, uh, being solo poly, which is, mm-hmm. I think that, 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 that term that, uh, kind of maybe may encompass, I don't want to throw a term on you, but like, that's your term, but right. that term that may encompass what your feelings and everything. So right. I'm trying to be open and accepting just like auntie Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But um, what what are your what are your thoughts about about uh, just in general um, having people? What do, you, what do you think? Do you think the people should turn more towards being solo poly? Uh, and the only reason why I asked this, and I, I, I did a terrible job setting this question up, but it just popped <laughs> in my head. The only reason why I asked this is because you know, we, kind of what we talked about before, where you know relationships you know fail and here and you know you know the older generation like well, why are all these relationships failing when these people were married for so long and it's because they're vocalizing and saying that they're, they're not happy do you right. think that there's a maybe a, if a higher percentage of people you know explore the possibility of you know ethical non-monogamous relationships and in being solo poly or in anything like that nature that you know it, the relationships on the divorce rates wouldn't be as high in your opinion, of course. My opinion is that people need to actually sit and think for themselves on that. Mm. 
I can't say that I want more people to explore non-monogamy because I don't need a lot of people with toxic monogamous traits. <clears throat> Which, by the way, the people with toxic monogamous traits are the ones that give 9 out of 10. I'm not saying there aren't scuzzballs in the community. But they are typically the ones that are giving the negative impression of what actual ethical non-monogamy is. Right. It's usually somebody who doesn't have ethics, whether they have one person in their life or a hundred, all standing boastfully in the name of polyamory or polygamy or other forms of non-monogamy that leaves the sour taste in everybody else's mouth. Now there's this shadow, this negative connotation and people may shy away from something that may better fit their authentic self because of the connotation. Um, I think people should take the times and ask themselves the serious questions to figure out what it is they like. Yeah. There are people that are completely fulfilled with monogamous relationships. That is how they're wired. That is their love style. That is the antithesis of who they are and how they care to um, sustain relationships. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with somebody genuinely acknowledging <clears throat> that they are a non-monogamous person. Uh -huh. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to do it, but I think... I think people should ask themselves the question. What what does it hurt to ask yourself the question? Is this really what I want? Or is this what I was told right. that I want? Because getting to the place where I've gotten to with this, it has taken me so long to figure myself out that I'll be damned if I let somebody else tell me that I'm wrong or to tell me that I should do it some an, another way. Yeah. Honey, this was a journey. I grew up on Disney just like you did. I grew up on TGIF on, on Fridays on a like you did. I grew up with all of that. Yeah. Deviate so far from what I was taught, and I'm not even that radical. Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think that everybody should explore. I think they should explore within themselves first so they don't hurt people along the way. Mm -hmm. I think it's, a, I, I think it is absolutely realistic, especially in 2022 to sit down and ask yourself the question. Right. Right. I, I think well, you're absolutely right. It's going to hurt if you actually are monogamous. Yeah. What's it going to hurt if you're not? But it's going to be you. And that's the important part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it's, 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 you know, looking into yourself. And I think, I think it's easier to just kind of conform to social standards and practices um, to, for some people than, than to actually look into yourself. Cause that's scary. That, that self-evaluation is scary. The, to, how am I going to do this? Okay. If, if, if I'm going to be, you know, solo poly, like how am I find people? Cause then I'm going to have to tell them no solo poly. Then they're going to be mad about it. And I got, I got to find like new apps. I can't be like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even within a non, non monogamous and or polyamorous community, right. Mm -hmm. There are still niche groups. Right. Um, there are still a lot of people transitioning into forms of, polyamory or non-monogamy with very misogynistic views towards it. Right. So even in a niche group, there's still a niche group. Even in those that think differently, there are still those that may still think differently than the majority. Mm -hmm. There's no one right or wrong way to do it all in how you conduct yourself. And once you open up the ideology within yourself, you'll start and notice that it's actually more present than you think it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I once I had I, once I had that that conversation with uh, 
with uh with Safia, um, you know, on, on this on this podcast, you know, I just kind of did some research and looking around, and, you know, from some of the some of the re- references that she talked to, talked to me about, and I was I had no idea, I had no idea, you know, you know, there 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 are, there are dating apps designed for for this sort of thing, multiple ones. It's not just one that you just you got to find. There there are communities, there are meetups that, that that's happening. I just I just learned, you know, you know terms like like there there are munches where they have you know the, the lunch and, and then you know it's almost like a um you know like a, a meetup to just to, just to you know in a comfortable setting just to see you know to how who who you are and you know in exchange information there's so many different ways of doing it it's just a, it's just a matter of doing it but i think the main point is to have that honesty with yourself to, to reflect on, on, on what it is that you want, not be bullied by outside forces that are, that, are, that you know, whether they fan, fr- uh, family, friends, whatever. Um, and then, and then just, just be honest about whatever you decide. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We, we're going to take another question from your community. Uh, red flags that should be ignored. That's, that's the question, you know. I I don't know. It's, it's probably subjective, so that yeah, like you know, completely subjective. So, um, I guess we could just you know do it from a, a personal standpoint. What are what are some red flags for you that that you cannot ignore? Um, hygiene is a red flag I cannot ignore, mm. and it's going to be the varying degrees. Um, if you're a mechan, if you are a mechanically inclined person and I notice, say you're a mechanic and I notice oil staining around your hands, you may look as if you are not clean, but you're very clean. Right. However, if you're a chef and you have similar staining on your hands, I'm going to have questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But hygiene. I'm very sensitive with smells and I would rather have no smell than a bad smell. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm even a little nose blind. So if I can smell it, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Um, hy- hygiene is a red flag. I cannot overlook. There's a caveat to that though. Okay. And the caveat to that is, are you an unclean person? Or are you going through a bit of a manic episode and certain tasks are, you know what I mean? Like absolutely I little caveats because I've, I've had the issues. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be held accountable for something that I may have done in a depressive state. So that's a caveat. Um, dissimilar. I don't want to say poor. I want to say dissimilar forms of communication. That's a red flag for me. Mm-hmm. It, are because I know myself if you are somebody that is expecting around the clock facetimes text messages constant conversation that's a red flag for me I can't live up to that conversely if your level of communication is less than mine because I'm not overly overbearing but I'm also responsive right um that is also a red flag for me. So, and like I said, I don't want to call it a poor communication because different people have different levels of requirement, but a dissimilar level, that, that's going to be a little bit of a red flag. And that's for compatibility. Yeah. It's not even about suspicion. It's just a compatibility issue. Um, personal stories where everyone else is always the bad guy mm. is a red flag for me. That is a huge red flag for me. If I sit back and think about everything that you ever told me and all I can think is about how much everybody else is the asshole, mm-hmm. problem. Because I'm not saying it isn't possible. What I am saying is it's not very probable. Right. At least some causation in at least one of the stories. You nice, you nicer than I am, because I'm gonna say it. You the problem. <laughs> like if everybody else is the bad guy, you the problem. Like not in one of these stories. Did you do something 
hear somebody's reaction. Everybody is just unprovoked treating you like this. Even the women. Because mm-hmm. we usually, it usually takes a lot for us to get to a point where it's story worthy. So everybody, every, okay. Probably, yeah. The common denominator there is you. Um, If somebody has a child, the relationship they have with parenting. Notice I didn't say with the child. We all know there are circumstances where people are not allowed to be present. Right. But what is your relationship with parenting? Because there are also people that are very relieved that they're not able to be present. There are people, like I said, to me, it's more with the relationship that you have with parenting, because if you don't have one yet, you keep procreating. That's a huge red flag. Right. I would rather have a broke father at every game than a person who could do and is happy. They don't have to. Mm -hmm. It says a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, no, you gave a you gave a good number of them, and I love them. That, that's that's about what I got. Yeah, I no, I love them. Some of them I, I got to steal. Like, I mean, I I just I feel like the parenting thing is one. Obviously, you know, we'll be having Brooklyn. Like, yeah, like yeah, I can't. If you just if if your idea of parenting is just like uh. All right, I got three kids. I made a stack of pancakes and put and put it all on one plate. Y'all go for it, you know, like you know. And, and the kids are like under like five or four. It's like, is, is that what we doing? Like, is that what we doing? Um, the dissimilar. I love how you say it. the dissimilar, not poor communication, but dissimilar communications um, styles. I like that. Um, I like that. Say it all the time. They suck at communicating. They suck. No, they have different love. They have a different requirement. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. talk to you all day every day. I'm not a friend that has to talk to you all day every day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like sometimes it's not that somebody doesn't. It's just that we have a different. We have a higher expectation. You may be somebody who wants the constant, and I'm somebody I can talk to you twice a day, twice a week. You know what I mean? And it, right. It, sometimes it's. But again, it all goes back to compatibility. Sometimes it's literally not that anything's wrong. We just don't we just don't check each other's box on that. Yeah, and I and, and I've I've started gravitating towards doing that. You know, you know, you know me for a long time, and, and mm-hmm. I'm people pleaser extraordinaire. You know what I mean? Like I, like like always. But as the pandemic has you know made me a, a recluse <laughs> like you know I, I i try i try to do less of that but at the same at the same time it's like you know you kind of get caught up in, in habits and in communication and then people want your time and then i perfect example of this person who i used to I, I used to know they would say all the time that they hate when people call them on facetime mm-hmm. and one and one of the reasons why he said that was because um you 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 are literally holding me hostage. Like if I'm if I'm if I'm texting you, I can multitask and do other things. If I'm on the phone with you, I can put my AirPods in. I can sit there and kind of move around and you know you know clean up or do some other stuff. But if right. if if we are Facetiming, bam! Like every time every time we call, talk contact is Facetime, then that means that I have to hold this phone and I have to look at you and right. I can't. And if you go off. Check a text. What's going on? So, I, you know, I'm. Now, granted, for me, there are some people I have relationships with that we have we have just graduated to the FaceTime communication. Like we they don't, you know, you know. But everybody can't get that privilege. I agree. And and the ones that the ones that get it, they 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 have it because they act accordingly and responsibly. I remember when I was early 20s and I was in a relationship and remember we were on the phone constantly and then when we when I got off of work we got off the phone and then I came home to this person and I don't want to make it seem as if it's an age thing I think at the time I thought that was normal now I don't right um it's one thing to call and check on somebody throughout the day. If that's your, you know what I mean? Like if that's, a, 
you cannot expect me to sit on FaceTime with you while I'm out of your sight. Right. I'm grown. Right. I will see you when I get back. Right. It's exhausting. What? <laughs> oh my God. It's Are exhausting. And then while I'm talking to you, I'm complaining that I don't have time to do all because you know I'm always trying to do some stuff. So I'm complaining that you don't have time to do all this stuff. Yeah, you you need to make some time. How? How sway? How we make time? We talking the entire time. Like like when's the last time you missed your partner if you do that? Yeah, yeah. Like that is that is oversaturation for me. Yeah, it's balance. It's it's balance. And 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 yeah. and, and, and there. And there there are caveats, you know, um, you know, obviously like when you first starting out, it's that puppy love phase, you know, you, you kind of just want that, you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. if that person is going through something or, you know, you just, you just, you just, you know, it might be like a little stretch of time. We, we both have battled with depression. So it might be that stretch of time where you like, Hey, you know what? I just need a little bit of extra support. Um, I think, so it's, it's never like, why are you doing this? But I think, I think, I think what the problem is with, with that type of that level of communication is when it becomes expected and when it, 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 and you know what, let me, let me, let me make this a little bit more general. Anytime you have something that I do that we have done and it's become expected, that's usually a red flag for me. Like it's, it's, it's usually cause I, cause now I, so now I feel like there are rules to place and I can't do anything. So if I do something, different from what I, I've just given you over the last couple of days. Even even though I, I may have mentioned like, hey, um, this is nice. I'm doing this. I don't know I don't know if I will be able to keep this up. Like, you know, I have these these obligations coming up. I, you know, when when I when we when I started talking to you, it was it was uh I was taking a break from podcasting. Now I'm I'm back. So I, I may not be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? So when you set, when, when, if you're open enough and honest enough to set those expectations, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep this up. So we may need to adjust. And then, and then the steel problems, expectation wise, that's usually, you know, an issue. I agree. Yeah. I, and, and my grandmother always said, beware of beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what that reminds me of. You almost want to, like, I'll, I'll joke with people and people, you know, I'll say something like I'm, I'm smarter than the average picnic basket, but don't tell anybody. Cause I don't want to set the expectation. Right. Like I'm not really joking when I say that, like yeah. I don't want to set an expectation so high that I'm constantly fighting to live up to it. And then you feel bad. You almost want to set a lower bar that you can continue to exceed and of course, I'm sure there's a whole workaround on trauma about that alone. However, it's a thing. You set that bar, and now it becomes an expectation. And it was like, no, 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 honey, that was just Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Tomorrow we'll be back in fuzzy couch. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I get it. The the only other one I want I want to add as far as a, a red flag for me because I think like I said you you Ooh. nailed a lot of them um is like I don't close mindedness like like you know like when when I, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and, they, and it's it's immediately ugh or I don't know or like you we you can't even open your mind to to get to form tolerance, to form understanding. You just, it's just automatically no, uh, you know what? I don't think we're going to work. I don't think we're going to work. Right. It, I feel like it usually carries a level of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what you're telling me is that you're not even open to the possibility. Right. You and this preconceived notion, and I'm over here, miss, let's talk about it. Oh, I know. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Could you imagine being with somebody who would never try anything new? Oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) Huge. I hate that. There's literally nothing else in life that you think you could be exposed to that you wouldn't enjoy. 
nothing. Yeah. I've literally had conversations with people and that and, and, and I it's easy to gravitate. The first thing you think about is, is food wise, frying food, you know, right. you know, different foods. But you know, and so but food is is an easy conversation and easy, easy to like kind of determine that person's mentality. Right. And if you know if I'm you know I'm mentioning some stuff or um and I say I think I said something to somebody I was like yeah like, what's your favorite food I'm like oh I, you know I love I love Chinese um actually I'm just a big Asian cuisine in general you know and they were like oh, Chinese so do that that mean you eat like a squid and and an octopus Ugh. well one yes I do. <laughs> And two, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's just what all it is. It, it gave a tone of like you just, you close minded, you'll never try it, you don't like it, you, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna judge. So because close mindedness equals to me, like you say, ignorance and then judgment, like you're judgmental, and right. and so and so now I don't feel like I can be my most authentic self with you because I don't feel like you're gonna be accepting of it. So why would I want to be in some type of situationship, relationship, friendship, whatever, with you when I cannot be just Jared. Correct. I'm a chef's kid. So the food thing is usually a very, very, it usually plays a huge part. Your reaction to even the possibility of trying a new food will tell me everything I need to know. Everything. Yeah. That's like asking somebody what's your what's your favorite song. You tell a lot about somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I forgot that you were you you're a chef's kid because mm-hmm. uh, you and, and a bunch of other friends actually gave me my first Korean barbecue experience, as I as I recall. You <laughs> you you popped my cherry. <laughs> Not the first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Ronnie, this has been a great, great conversation. Um, I hope that I have convinced that to, you know, you know, for you to expand your platform. So not only just do the lives, maybe we can we can get you to do a podcast. You know, some things that I'm trying to piece together. Okay. And I may need to pick your brain. I'm here. I may need to pick your brain. I'm actually um, going later and having dinner with somebody so we can talk about recording schedules and etc etc so all right some moves being made i love it i i all advice is welcome hey yeah hey i'm here you you got my number any anytime you need anything just let me know um i want to kind of uh wrap this up the, the 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 way i wrap up um you know every show that i've done um recently um, it's about damn time. Um, just, just saying what it's about damn time for. Since we, we kind of talked, I did a hodgepodge talking about relationships in general. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of hard for me to sit there and tell you what it's about damn time for. So I guess whatever is in your mind, in your heart, on your soul right now, maybe something that you're going through, something that you see a friend going through, what is it about damn time for people to start doing in order to be, they're the best version of themselves. Well, you see, it works imperfectly because you've got your sign off and I have mine. Give yourself the grace you give everybody else. Mm. I live and die by that. We have our three. No cooties, no kids. Make responsible choices. And give yourself the grace you give everybody else. It's hard enough as it is. Be kind to yourself. I feel like you've told me that like once or twice before. <laughs> I have. I live and die by it. Give yourself the grace for everybody else. Because you're doing great. doesn't feel like it. Yeah. But you're doing great. I am going to say, because since Ronnie just read me right now, I am going to say <laughs> that it is about damn time for people to just be open to talking about stuff like just let's talk um i, I the, it is it is it's not only a, a great title for your platform ronnie but i think it's it's also just great advice 
don't be closed minded. Don't sit there and have the, you know, just have this agenda already, you know, be open to just communicating to, to figuring out people's perspectives. People's perspectives are, are different. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It means they're different. Now, some of them might be wrong, but most times it's just a different, that's a whole different podcast, but most times <laughs> it's just just different perspectives and it's just accepting um, how that person is thinking and just absolutely. open your mind up for that. That's all. Ronnie, this has been absolutely wonderful. Auntie Ronnie in the house. I'm so excited. I, you, you're welcome back anytime. Absolutely. I'll take you up on that. Thank you for joining me this week on It's About Damn Time. Hey, if you like what you heard, follow this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and IG, and join the conversation on this week's episode. Link to all my socials in the show notes. You can also show love by simply giving me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, for more blogs, pods, and other digital content, go to thewholedamnshow.com. Until next time, I'll see you next week.